Welcome to this episode of The Rise After the Fall. I am Sean, and my bride, Pastor Sunny, she is not with us today. She is in North Carolina working on our restoration property, The Reserve. It's coming along. We have our first group of people coming in just a few weeks. And so we are without her today, but I am so excited about our guest. We've been friends 25 years. He's been such a permanent fixture and force in my life. And so I'm so grateful to have the Reverend Barry Andrew Edgman. Nobody in the history of the world knows my, my middle name except my mama and my sisters. Now everybody that listens to this podcast will go, oh, hey, he's one of those guys. Hey, listen, Jack. Listen. B-A-E. If you... Hey. If you <laughs> I'm just saying. That's, that's, I feel that's like old school. That is something that the, that, that the youths that the used youth. to say, bae. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here's what I want to talk about. You are intimately involved in our restoration process and involved in what we're doing here for discipleship mm. here at Life Church in Green Bay, as well as so involved in Journey to Wholeness with Pastor Becky mm-hmm. and Pastor Sonny and myself, mm. and have facilitated so many different groups. And uh, the biggest thing that I do want to talk about today is the role that you play in the restoration process. I would say you're kind of our filter and our gatekeeper. Mm. And so when a, when a guy or a gal reaches out to us and lets us know that they need help, you're typically the first person who they talk to, which I think if I could estimate what that feels like, I think it, it feels uh, like invigorating, but at the same time, it must be exhausting. Uh, it is. I, I would say I was thinking about what it is every time. And it's actually, um, it's a pleasure to, to be there to be that because I get, I get a momentary memorial mm. of, and I get to relive it and enjoy it. When you called me and I was in Knoxville, said, hey, <laughs> yeah. hey, Pastor Sonny and I want, want you to do this. And it was the most, and I, I, I remember that because for some of these people that I talked to, I, I was the, the guy on the other end of the line when you called me. Mm. So let's just pay it forward. You know yeah. the, the old movie. Uh, but I remember how miserable I felt when I hung up. I, I remember how invigorated I felt because I saw a glimmer of hope. And I, I remembered this is going to be, it's going to take everything within me to do this. Wow. So when I talk to people, I try to remember that and I try to be graceful and merciful, but... You know, when when you've got somebody on the other end of the line and they've reached out, and we'll talk more about that in a second, but when they've reached out and you you extend, not the olive branch, but, but you extend uh, the anointing oil and the fresh water. Yeah, so good. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to, now, as you know, in, when Jesus talked about the shepherds and the sheep and David and the psalm talked about, there's a painful process to heal a wounded sheep. So good. Very yeah. painful. Yeah. Talk so, about that. Well, well, when Jesus, uh, when David, more, more so David, but David, he talked about 
Psalm 23. Mm. Beautiful passage. Yeah. But when, when a, a sheep's head gets scarred, it tends to, to get hard when you cut yourself the edges of that wound, like when your hands get dry and broken open, they continue to get dry and broken open because they've not been through a process of healing. And it's the same with a sheep's head, that the shepherd, when when briars and rocks and sharp, sharp whatever on the terrain cuts a sheep's head, after a period of time, there's that blood and that hard callous skin around it. So the shepherd has to pour oil on that and he has to massage in mm, the oil. So good. Massage that that wound, that that broken skin, that place where infections begun. And he massages and cleans and the oil does that. It massages and cleans and softens the callous skin. <laughs> And that wound begins the process of healing because what happened is that shepherd had to break open the wound again for the healing oil to get down into the wound. So good. And begin to heal, listen to this, from the inside out. So good. So when that happens, when, when I'm talking to guys, I go, you know what? You can say anything dumb you want. Yeah. Because we do. Or you can say anything wounded or broken you want because we do. But that's just the that's the that's the language we speak in wounded. Wounded is the language. So when you talk to those people and they begin to feel and sense, hey, there's a way out. I'm gonna move toward this. Then again, there's some people who go, you know what, bro, I, I just don't have it in me. I I'm not, I'm not interested. Yeah. Even some of those guys after they after they've reached out, some of them will come back with I'm not interested with mm-hmm. uh, which talk about th- there's been a a couple, I wouldn't say there's been many, but there's mm-hmm. been a couple of guys that, you know, we'll get an email from them. They're reaching out. They say they want help. And then you'll reach out to them and and they're, they act like they don't even know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen twice now. Huh. Like, and clearly, clearly, we, we can't go in and make up information. Right. I mean, we don't, first off, we don't have time. Yeah. That's, that's first. Secondly, to want to be healed, uh, you've got to pursue it, right? Definitely. So when I call, and I've had two guys say to me, hey, I didn't call you. I didn't, I didn't submit my name. So I emailed, I texted, I called. I emailed, I texted, I called. And after a while, they just drop off. And here's what I've concluded uh, with a conversation with you as well. It seems like that somebody next to them or near them submitted their name or they submitted their name and thought more of it and and didn't want to jump into it. So they, they decided to stay the same and we don't, we don't press you. We don't, we don't send anybody out to find you or, (laughs) or anything like that. We just, all right, I'm here. I'm available. Yeah. We're here. We're available. And here are your options, next step options to move forward. Yeah, I look at it and I go, how is it that you didn't reach out to us, but you emailed us from your email? We're mm-hmm. responding to your mm-hmm. email. So unless your email was hacked or unless you think that people are going to see your emails and then you don't want people to know that you reached out because nobody knows that you have an issue mm-hmm. or you changed your mind, mm-hmm. uh, all of which that's your prerogative. But I look at it and I go, you 
you know, Sonny has a line that says, we can't put people through restoration until they fall all the way. Mm -hmm. Truth. And so I think that there's, there's some people who, who want help, but when they realize that there's a lot of work that goes into being rest restored. Yeah. We've heard stories, you and I, from, from voices, uh, that we've worked with that would say it, in the group or the circles I ran in, if I did certain things in 90 days, I could be doing the same thing I did while I was being wrecked and wrecking my church or wrecking my yeah. family all at the same time. Yeah, there's some people that, that, like there's some organizations that their entire, I guess their purpose or their desires, I'm not like, I'm not coming up with the right word off the top of my head, but it's like all they want is to get people back in the pulpit. Mm -hmm. And that's not ours. That's where the opposite of that. Mm. You know, my pastor used to say, if you could do anything else in life but the ministry and be happy, go do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, he always followed up. I don't know why, but he'd always followed up with like, he's selling shoes at Nordstrom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, And I've thought about that. And I like, that's part of what brought me back to ministry and the restoration side of things is that, when I walked away from ministry, I was miserable. But I was out of ministry, you know, I was out of the pulpit for like two years. Mm-hmm. You know, I was out of church, any kind of church ministry for over mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was unemployed for a year and it was the best thing that ever happened right. to me. So I think part of the the thing that's interesting is that we're both, we were wounded and not, we had that oil poured into our mm-hmm. wound by someone else. And now, like you said, we're just trying to pay it forward. But, but when a guy, when a guy reaches out to us or a girl, I mean, it doesn't have to be a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say uh, if, if there's a guy or a girl who's listening to this right now and, or maybe they've listened to other podcasts and they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm having a hard time. What do I do now? Mm. Like I'm ready to jump into the process. What's that look like yeah. for them? Well, we we don't ask trick questions. We ask clarifying questions. Okay. Like, what do you want? Why are you here? And, and most of the time, mm-hmm. I can tell you in three sentences where a person's at and what they're looking for. Most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. They're looking for damage control, mm. reputation salvage on short term. Mm. And pay as little pay pay a discounted price for restoration, <laughs> and that's that's both metaphorically speaking and literally speaking. And literally, we have people <laughs> all the time. All the time, we're trying to say, "Hey, could you do us a deal?" I'm going to pause. I'm going to back up and keep moving forward because I would say something silly. Yeah, but nonetheless, I think when people and and there have been guys like friend our friend in Missouri. I will do whatever it takes. Yeah. I will leave tonight. And he did. I, he did. He said, I will leave tonight. I will come to where you are. Yep. And I will do whatever you tell me to do. Now, we don't we don't tell people what to do because we're egotistical and maniacs and we're trying to control people's life. We tell them what the gospel says and what the proven product of Journey to Wholeness says. There have been thousands of people go through it and literally multiple thousands that have been affected by the message because here's what we found, that people quote Journey to Wholeness all the time on social media. 
All the time. All the time. Yeah. And they don't give credit for it, but that's okay. <laughs> Nonetheless, the seeds are sown. But here's here's the here's the big picture. If you want to be healed, if you want if you want to if you want to move from the misery that you're in to a healing place that God has provided for you, then you'll do whatever it takes to get there. And I've yeah. heard you tell guys in the room, I've been in the room, the best thing that could ever happen to you is you lose everything and you go sell shoes yep. at Payless or if you got a Nordstrom's, go there because you make yeah. more money. But yeah, just quit everything. Yep. Stop. Quit trying to. Here's what, here's what I figured. I figured this, that most ministers have been trained to be incredibly great ministers, but they were never trained to be Jesus people. That's right. They were never so trained good. to be disciples. Yeah. Here's what it look, looks like. You go to the the Exchange Collaborative, click on, follow the prompts, you connect, and as soon as you connect, we get your information, and then we reach out to you within two business days. Yeah. And we we figure out, what do you want from us? What do you need from us? Here's what we offer. I go through a little list of this is who we are. This is what we do. This is how we do it. This is why we do it. This is when we do it. Is that going to fit what you're looking for? In other words, we have to clear out all the all the all the preconceived ideas about what you bring to the table with how you want to be healed. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz if you're looking for us to do you like you want to be done, then we're not the people for you. Yeah. I mean, there's or a reason not. that you're here right. needing help because what you've been doing hasn't been working, but it's a tough pill to swallow for somebody to admit that. Right. But the, the beauty about all of the wonderful fruit, that the, the, there's all kinds of fruit, but with Journey to Wholeness, most of the time it produces fruit that remains. Absolutely. Fruit that remains means that it's a generational, it, it's fruit that reproduces and reproduces and reproduces. Mm. Now, we've seen guys, we've seen guys who have jumped into Journey to Wholeness and they've done it and they thought, okay, I'm fixed in 12 weeks. That is the worst, that is the worst idea you could ever yeah. make because it's like sanctification. That's why it's Journey to Wholeness. It's a, it's a work. It's, it's a pathway to sanctification. Yeah. And it's, it's, you can't just stop. It's like, you can't just do it and say, I'm done. You can't. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And if, 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 if my job is successful, if my, if my filtering is successful, then I help one to understand that this is a process. Yeah. It's not, it's not instantaneous, like microwavish. But it's both instantaneous and progressive. It's like sanctification. It starts now, it continues, and it's progressive for the rest of your life. Because not only do we have to fix you, but we have to fix generations to come, and we have to rewrite some history. That's a process. That's a lifelong process. And when you explain to that people, to people, they go, "I've never." The, the people that really get it, and it's not because I'm saying it, it's because the system we use has been proven over 10 years. Yeah. It's been written, prayed over, bled over, spirit-filled, thousands of people have been through it. Yeah. So it's not what, what, it's what we know works. Yeah. I know a lot of military guys. Right. And they'll tell you that after training and after weaponry training and uh, 
weaponry that, that is in hand and functional. If you put two, two equally trained soldiers or Marines mm-hmm. head-to-head, one will win. And the determining factor, the one that will win, if equally trained and equally weaponized, the one that wins is the one who plans to go the furthest mm. and not to quit. Yeah. I will, not, I will not quit. I will go to the end. I will do whatever it takes to be healed. Yeah. You talk about it being a, a process. When I was a high schooler, I had a car that I, I ran it out of oil. I had never checked the oil. I didn't, I didn't even know that you're supposed to do that. Mm. So I was driving down the interstate and I, my engine seized up and it was out of oil. So uh, my uncle, my uncle Bob, who learned how to do auto work in the penitentiary, mm. <laughs> he, was, he was a discounted guy for me. He mm. pulled the engine and he changed it and he put all new fluids in it. And he told me, he said, now listen, and his used engine. Mm-hmm. So he said, now listen, you got you to gotta keep a monitor on these fluids. You mm-hmm. got to, every time you stop and get gas, you need to check your oil, you, you know, just check all your fluids. And he said, and every 2,500 to 3,000 miles, you need to change your oil. He said, I can do it for you. You can learn how to do it. I can teach you, or you can take it to, you know, Jiffy Lube or whatever. And it, it was this idea of uh, once I had the repair done, it wasn't done. I had to monitor it. Mm-hmm. I had to maintain it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing with a lot of guys that we have come here is they've run themselves straight out and it's seized up. And they think it's going to be this quick fix and that, you know, you go through a program and then you never have to do it. And it's interesting is like you told me before we got on air, every time you facilitate a program, you're going through it again. Mm-hmm. So it's it's continual maintenance and mm-hmm. and keeping up on it. And I mean, we went to dinner last night and you journeyed me. I had some stuff. Mm-hmm. That was just eating me up, man. And and Sunny and I talked about it a couple of days ago, and she said, "No, you need to Barry journey you through that." Mm. And it's like a it's like a maintenance program, you know. Mm. Once you've been fixed, it's not just like a one time gig. I love that you had you had talked about that, and I, and, uh, and you had said the thing about it's not just a microwave thing. Like I I, I am married to a woman who won't use a microwave hmm. for so many different reasons. Hmm. Uh, they're so convenient, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what I've what I've discovered in living with my wife who will who will either use an oven, a cooktop, a toaster oven, but she won't use a microwave. It always takes so much longer to heat up food the way that she wants to heat up food. So the other day, this is full confession, she's going to listen to this. <laughs> The other day I was somewhere that had a microwave mm. and I wanted me some nachos. Mm. So I took the cheese and I put it on the nachos and normally I'll do it in the oven. I put it in like a, one of those oven safe uh, dishes and it, it, it'd take you 10 minutes to make nachos. But while the nachos are in the oven, what's fascinating is not only are they melting the cheese, they're also crisping your chips just a little mm. more, mm. not a lot, just mm. a little bit. When I put them in the microwave, because I was in a hurry, this is last week, I put some nacho chips and some cheese in the microwave, man, it's 45 seconds, and the, the cheese was 
bubbling, man. It was so hot. But when I got the nachos out the microwave, the chips were soggy, mm. the cheese was crispy, mm. and the flavor was almost gone. And it's because, you know, a microwave, it, it's basically breaking down the molecules of the food. So like, and this is a well-known fact. This isn't just some Sonny Hennessy conspiracy theory. When you microwave food, it takes all the nutritional value away. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when we're in this process is we're, we're not looking to get stuff done quick or conveniently. We're looking to have this thing get cooked the right way so that in the process, you don't lose the core elements of what you were created to be. You can put somebody back in ministry anytime you want. Mm-hmm. There's a whole denomination within the church world that we won't talk about that does that. When mm-hmm. somebody screws up, all mm-hmm. they do is rather than changing their destiny, they change their destination. Mm-hmm. And they re- they move that person and that person's faults follow them. Mm-hmm. And so in Journey to Wholeness, it's challenging because we're going to push you. And, and, and what's been beautiful is that we've, you and I, and Sonny, we've been able to push each other through this process. And the more times we go through the restoration and the healing process, the more equipped we are to do it, but the, mm. more, the more humbled by it we are. Yeah. The, the humility piece, um, when, you know, I was talking to a guy the other day I was in Dallas and I was talking to a guy and he was telling me a story and he said three or four things that, that your average person would go, bro, what in the heck are you talking? Like, what are you saying? What are you like bad stuff that he was saying or no, it was, it, why I asked, why are you doing some of the things you're doing? And he, he began to tell me, and then I said, now, what do you think God is saying to you right now? What should you do about it? Mm. And he said, well, I guess I should stop doing what I'm doing and, and try to reconcile my life with God. <laughs> I said, okay, so you know what to do. Now, are you willing to do it? Because it's work, and we can help you. And he said, I don't know. So well, at least he was honest. At least right? he was yeah. honest. Here's my point. I think that we can we can be so caught up in repairing the breach with staples instead of stitches. Wow. Without it's a I think what we want is a battlefield a battlefield wound dressing is clean it, wrap it. Yeah, stick some gum on it and get them to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. and then but most of us want to do the battlefield wound dressing and then get back in the in the throw of right. battles. You can't. Yeah, they don't want to give the time for it to heal. Right, and the problem is that we we can we will deceive ourselves. We will deceive ourselves if we think that we're better than the next guy and we don't have to go through a healing process. That's really. I don't good. care who you are, yeah. male, female. Youth pastor, senior, worship, kid, don't care. The deal is that here's Paul said in Colossians that all things hold together in the one who created them. If we are apart from the one who created us, we will begin to fall apart. 
Yeah. Simple. Yeah, simple. So if we're falling apart, we have to visual, we've got to go in and dig out and see what's, why are we falling apart? Well, here are the, here's the thing. We were called, we were given a task, if we're talking about pastors, we are, we're given this assignment, this divine assignment, but there's certain ways that we have to go about it. And the first way, first and foremost, is for us to be one who has drawn close to God personally. So many times, and I've talked to guys, you have, Sonny has, Becky has. We talk to men and women who who their identity has become what they do, yeah, not who they are. Yeah. And every time I talk to a guy, which is most of the time, tell me about you. Well, I'm a pastor. I pastor this. I do this. I, yeah. I said, let me stop you. I, said, I don't, <laughs> I don't ask not, what you do. I'm not asking what you do. I'm saying, who are you? What? Tell me about you. And more times than not, it's crickets because they don't know. They don't have an identity. Nope. And they've lost it in performing. Now, you can say you're not a performer, but if you stand in front of people and you do any sort of service, especially in the church, yeah. you are performing a task. You are yeah. performing, you are administering a a word or an act or a service to the body, yeah. Scripture says. We can become so good at that. So good. Uh-huh. And so well-crafted that we can do things that most normal people could never do, but if we do it without the anointing, we are crushing our own souls while some others may be helped. Well, I think we do a disservice in the church in the fact that a lot of times people hire for talent mm. and they don't hire for integrity. Mm. Like they don't ask, like I don't, I don't know if I was in a job interview before to work in a church and had them ask me questions about my character. I mean, they definitely wanted to know about my qualifications. I had to preach for them, obviously, or sing for them or whatever. They wanted to see how I could perform, to your point. But it's um, it's interesting to me how many people in the ministry end up getting outpaced by their flock spiritually. Mm. So they, they were part of what led that person to their spiritual journey, but then that person becomes someone who outpaces them because I do know lots of guys and girls in the ministry who are operating on talent. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're, they're trying to come up with content. Like they mm-hmm. feel like they're content creators. Mm-hmm. And so by the time they have their message written, it's definitely content. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're not outpacing the people I was fortunate that I I only worked for two pastors and they both were continually growing spiritually. Mm-hmm. So I have that modeled for me. Yeah. So if my staff or the people who are working for me, I, I mean or, or who are attending my church are outpacing me spiritually, then I'm I'm in the the wrong business. Mm-hmm. And you here's the here's the interesting thing is that people in the pew know whether or not you're pacing ahead of them spiritually or they're outpacing you. Yeah. They know. Definitely. They may not be able to verbalize it, but they sure shoot and know. Yeah. And here's the other part of that is that uh, when we fall into that caliber of of ministry performance, then we are, all, we are executing our gift sets and skill sets and abilities strictly on reputational power versus Holy Spirit power. Yeah. And then that's where the suck comes in it's yeah. it, the sucking of your soul yeah 
And when that void begins to pull a vacuum, then we begin to search for things. I don't care who you are. We begin to search for things to fill it. I've talked to more guys, more guys lately, who have lost the critical disciplines in their life in one area or another. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And I'm not talking about guys who look at porn or, please stop with all that. Just stop. Porn's not the issue. Just just, just yep. don't, don't wave that flag because you got a problem with it. Just don't. Just stop. Here's the real thing. If, if there is not this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and it's being worked yeah. and seasoned day by day, then we will find things to fulfill our eyes. We'll covenant with our minds, our eyes, or our souls, the things that bring us refreshing. And we're refreshing our flesh because our spirits are so weary. Yeah. That we don't, we don't, and there's a deception with that. Yeah. Some of the disciplines, the, the top three disciplines that I've run into in a general sense, Overworking, yep. which means you neglect yourself and your family for whatever reason. Feeling yep. pressured, yep. identity, whatever. Overeating, yep. eating for pleasure, eating for emotional fulfillment, not eating, and then, and then eating crazy stuff that at the wrong time of day because yep. you're working so hard. And then the other is the basic formatting of generalized spiritual disciplines. Yeah. You've talked about it many times. Scripture, prayer, communication with the Lord. It, in, in journaling or writing down, there's very great benefit to that. Yeah. But then also the other portion of that that we leave out many times is the worship aspect. Yeah. Personal worship, not just corporate. And when those disciplines fall out of play, then other things begin to vacuum in or get pulled in in place to fulfill that in our souls. Yeah, certainly. I think the thing that's challenging for people who are professional ministers is how am I ever going to step away from what it is that I'm doing? There's some, there's some guys, and I've said this many times, that there's some guys who need to step away mm. because they're a fraud, but there are some guys who need to step away because they're just exhausted, mm-hmm. and and some of that's self induced. But the thing that uh, I think is unique about our program is that we are at least three of us—you, myself, and Sonny—are all people who have been through restoration, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. uh, so there's a different. There's a different tone to it with us. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, I mean, I wish that we could tell you it's going to be a 12-week program. I mean, we do have a 12-week mm-hmm. program that you can go to. But you're not going to be cured in 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be cured on an intensive. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and back to the thought that you said when you facilitate it, every time you do that, you, you go back through it. I think what I would love for people to know who are listening to this and are struggling is that we're not theorists, we're practitioners. Mm-hmm. We're people that have been where some of you are at. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Camp Foster in Okinawa, Japan, mm-hmm. the United States Marine mm-hmm. Corps base. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend who, at the time, was a chaplain. Yeah, I mean, he's a naval chaplain, but was assigned to a Marine Corps unit. 
And so I, I got to spend some time with him. And I got to spend, I mean, I met a bunch of chaplains, but mm-hmm. the, the two guys that really stuck out, one guy, Gunny, he, he was, uh, prior to being a chaplain, he was Marine Forest Recon, <laughs> was deployed multiple times during Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a combat veteran. And then my friend who I was there visiting prior to being a naval chaplain, he was in the army mm. and was an airborne ranger. Mm. And so when you line up all of these different chaplains, they're all beautiful people. But, you know, some guys, they just went through, got their, their MDiv and went into the military. That's fine. It's not to say that they're not effective. Mm-hmm. But when it came time for troops to be deployed, the two guys that I talked about, the Force Recon and the Army Airborne Ranger are were the two most requested chaplains in the Navy, because to the men who they were who they were assigned to, these are men who have been through the battles. Mm. There's a difference between a guy who can preach a sermon in a chapel and a guy who has carried the saw and has laid down ground mm. fire, and mm. a guy who was in Nam or mm. has jumped out of a plane with a machine gun strapped to his back. And so it's not to celebrate us. Mm-hmm. We had our own failures. Mm-hmm. We have been through the combat and survived. Mm-hmm. We know lots of guys who went through the combat and didn't survive. And so it's not us like some programs standing in an ivory tower pointing out what's wrong with you. It's us coming alongside you alongside, and saying, bro, like, listen, we've been there and you don't have to be embarrassed by this, mm-hmm. but you do need to stop. And so for Truth. for the guys who who have been through this, what I know that we don't want to use any any names. Uh, what's a success story that comes to your mind? What did that look like? Here was the secret for for this guy. He was broken beyond repair in his own strength with his own resources, mm. and he recognized, "I I'm done. That's good." Really good. I, um, fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. The beginning, the word beginning means in that verse in Proverbs that a person has fallen to the bottom, the bottom of the bottom of the pit where there is no way out. And now the, the beginning is for you to understand clearly that the Lord is the only way out for you wow. in that pit. Therefore, yeah. he is the only one. And God loves his shepherds so much that he will let you take your own self to the bottom of the pit until you wreck yourself. And then once you wreck yourself and you want out, then he will help you. That's good. But he loves shepherds. But he, but oddly enough, if you look at the Old Testament, one of the, one of the highest judged with wrath offices in the Old Testament was that of the shepherd. <laughs> so... Needless to say, and Jesus, again, the shepherd, the good shepherd. Good shepherd. So this guy, he understood that I have nothing left. He was in ministry. He ministered to thousands of kids every every year. Yeah. Thousands. And he said, I will do whatever you tell me to do. It doesn't mean that we were in control. It just means... He's come to the end of himself. Yeah, He's so fallen as far as he can fall, Sonny says. Yep. And there's there's a little bit of bounce to get you up on your knees 
Yeah. And we come alongside you and grab your elbows and say, all right, here's where we go. This is, this is how we're doing it. Now, that guy today, as we speak, he is moving forward with his life. God is blessing him in ways that he never dreamt imaginable. Yeah. Now, it's not been easy, and I speak with him almost weekly. Yeah. And you do have that, you'll have that follow-up. It's not one and done. Yeah. And we don't kiss and tell. But we we will walk with you. Now he's wanting to replicate in his life and ministry where he is, the process through which he's gone with us to lead others in his part of the country through that same process to work alongside us. As Now, there's a process for all that. Yeah. But he's seen, because he runs into people literally every every week in his ministry, every week, that need what he's gone through. And when you've gone through the restoration piece, just even one time you go, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I was watching programs. Is it programs now or shows? Shows. I call them programs, but actually, I'm an you old call guy. them programs. 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 <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, I was watching a thing and then I caught myself going, oh, that guy is in arrested development. And yeah. I wasn't talking about the program. It's, uh, yeah. Here we go again. Program. program. Yeah. Not the show, but you begin to qualify and qualify oh, yeah. people. Oh, I wonder where that guy's on his. Yeah, that guy needs to be journeyed. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> 12 years old. Quit, bro. And then you begin to, you begin here at our church. What's happening now is the journey to wholeness has so infiltrated the, the narrative. Yeah. Language creates culture. Yeah. Culture's su- substantiated and maintained and, and grown by narrative. We are so culturally narrative driven with journey to wholeness now. It's like, bro, you just got journeyed and you did not even know it. You're, you're yeah. chapter eight, man. That, you need yeah. to go, you go do 12 weeks again. That same that same seeding that's happened and that same fruit that remains is now happening in my friend's life and your friend's yeah. life, in yep. fact. Yep. He came to us because of you. He connected us with another guy in the Northwest. <laughs> yep. And we've just recently finished with that guy, some of that pastor's people, and he is leader of a whole network. Yeah. So it's like, oh. I know people who need this. I want to be a missionary for healing and wholeness. Yeah. That's what Jesus did anyway. But we're we're focusing on a a particular sect of people. Yeah. And I would say that it's the most humbling experience that I've ever been involved with is walking alongside people who who are wounded and broken. Yeah, and what's been interesting is, I mean, we've seen people from so many different walks of life. I mean, obviously, you know, the purpose of this particular podcast is leaders in ministry, but they don't have to necessarily be pastors. But, I mean, we've had business leaders. We've had uh, professional athletes. We've Mm. had musicians. Like, we have a whole crop of people who are... I mean, music stars that are coming out to the reserve in North Carolina in a couple of weeks, there and they're going to be journeyed. And there you go. just go, there isn't a person that I've met who doesn't need to go through this process. And so when you're in leadership, one of the things that's challenging as a pastor is you feel like 
you start to, Sonny says, you start to believe your own press. Mm. And for people to think that they don't need restoration is a lie from the enemy. It is. It is. Here's the thing that one of the things that we, we, it's become a mantra is if, if you hear the voice of accusation, contempt, and condemnation, most of the time when you're wounded, you can't differentiate if it's your own voice or the voice of the enemy. Yeah. And most of the time when we're wounded, we become nothing more than than a speaker with his amplification of accusation and condemnation. Yeah. That's and, really and good. And being critical. If if for one minute you think, well, I don't need that. There was right. a guy who's extremely popular in scripture. Extremely and he loved the letter I. <laughs> and if you think hard enough, you'll figure out real fast yeah. that if if I'm if I'm perfunctly perfunctively perfunctively using the word I, then I've found my own substance and ability in who I am. It's really good, bro. And if my if my if my woundedness is the apex of who I think I am and can be, and I can heal myself. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Clean up on all night, my man. Yeah. Well, it's the challenges that we live in denial because we don't, you know, in the, in the, let's just say it, this is a sweeping term, but in the church world at large, we have not fostered a culture of accountability. That's one. Mm. I mean, which, maybe that's not even the word that I'm looking for. No, that's for, a but, good, that, no, you're on it. That's a good word. Yeah. Or, or even, uh, somebody being open about their, their struggles. We're, mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah. why is it that we're afraid? Why is it that we, that we work in a business where every week we're getting up and we're trying to get people to adjust themselves spiritually, but we don't think that we need to be adjusted spiritually. So like, yes, we exist because we want to take people who have fallen, leaders who have fallen and restore them. But I would also argue the fact that equally as important and perhaps more important, is this idea of of warding people off from having failures. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, okay, do we have a, a program where people can come in and they can be restored and maybe put back in ministry or people who can be honest and open about where they are in their own spiritual, emotional lives and just say, if I were to go through this program, maybe I wouldn't have a failure or a fall. Well, that's been part of your heart just as we jumped into this reserve thing is, wait a minute, what if we could, and uh, Becky says in Journey to Wholeness, uh, she makes a quote by, um, uh, what's his name? Anyway, great quote, should have remembered the guy's name, but the gist of it is, uh, instead of pulling people out of the river, Let's go upriver and see why they're falling in. Yeah. And that's been key to your heart is, wait a minute, we can yeah. stop this. Yeah. But then becomes, now that that's a different animal. That's a different puppy. If a guy's broken and I'll do anything to get fixed, it's either this, I'm not broken and I think I'm okay, but anybody who's been through restoration can see clearly I'm broken. Yeah. There's one. Middle ground is I'm not broken and I'm not wounded or hurt enough to change my behavior, so I'm gonna keep going like I'm going. Once you once you hurt enough, you'll yeah. change your behavior until you hurt and experience enough pain you want. And then there's the third 
is I will do anything to be healed, not to get fixed. I want to be healed. So good. I want Jesus to help me. I don't care if I sell shoes that pay. I don't care. I don't care if I pedal pizza in yeah. a car. And if you do that, great, man. Yeah. Awesome. But I don't care what I do. If if I if I don't have Jesus, I would just as soon fall off a cliff than to keep going like I'm going. Yeah. Because I want Jesus. And then when that, when those people come, it's like, oh, look out. Here we go. But see, you're speaking from the perspective of someone who's healed. Right. So what are some what are some of the top excuses that you've gotten from guys as to why they couldn't go through a restoration process? Well, first and foremost, they have no clue of what vulnerability is and they fear it. Right. Accountability is the second one. Okay. I ask people, what who who is your guy that you can go to that you can talk about anything, anytime, anywhere? I don't have anybody. I don't trust. I've got a friend who's a coach and he coaches hundreds of pastors and businessmen. Yeah. He has a he has a contract there with confidentiality contract. And he says with them, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do or what you've done. I'm a voice in your life that speaks to no one about you. I'm a voice you can say anything to and I will help you. Yeah. I don't care about anything. So good. Yeah. That's what that's how he lives. But I think the other part, the third part, is with that accountability, there's this in, there's this piece. Accountability is shunned and feared because accountability includes confrontation. As yeah. we know it, confrontation has always been somebody that thinks they're better than us or an authority over us pointing at us and saying, you're doing this wrong and this yeah. wrong and this wrong. That's not accountability, nor is that confrontation. Yeah. Confrontation is the other side of the coin of accountability. Accountability is this is who we are. This is who what we're living for. Yeah. The other side of that accountability piece is the confrontation. And confrontation does two things. It helps us conform to the will of God and confirm his word in our lives. Yeah. That's all. It, now, when you when I explain that to guys, they go, "Hmm." <laughs> so we're not we're not here to get a checklist to call call your board and say, "Oh, by the way, did you know this guy?" He's he's the no. Yeah, we're not trying to get people fired. No. Yeah. In fact, if you're if you're wounded and you're operating in the pulpit, in the office, in the whatever community as a wounded guy, most people around you know it already. Right. You're not hiding nothing, my man. You know, accountability is interesting. It's a compound word. It's make someone who will make account for your ability. Whether that's good or whether that's bad, you need people who, A, they will give an account for your good ability or an account for your inability. And so if you have something in your life where you lack the ability to do that job that you're doing, someone has to give an account of that to you and say, hey, why are you talking to your wife like that? Mm-hmm. Why are you talking to your kids like that? Mm-hmm. Why are you spending your money like that? Mm-hmm. Why, but people don't want accountability in their life because there's almost like a rogue spirit among some people that they're afraid to get in trouble. But that here's the problem. If you don't have accountability in your life, someone to make an account for your ability, 
you're destined to get yourself in trouble. If we, if I were to mention the name of this guy, you would know, yep, I remember, and that's exactly the same story way down south. When we, when we hold somebody to account for their ability, first off, we've got to all be on the same page of what's, what's the scale here? Yeah. What, what, how do we measure this guy's ability and how do we hold him to account? Yeah. It's not by my frame of reference nor yours, but it's by the scripture. So then we, what I'm getting at is most guys feel afraid to be vulnerable because yeah. they are very distrusting because they've been burned so many times by authorities, whether former pastors, former leaders, former family members, or in particular, board members. Not yeah. all board members are bad. But you and I have sat with some that, that would outrank Judas in where they end up <laughs> right? Yeah. in the end. Yeah. So I understand I understand why you want to live in secret because you don't want somebody you you most of these guys are at the end their wits end where they go if I have to fight one more fight yeah I'm I'm leaving I'm going to leave yeah. my family yeah my kids I'm going to disappear and we've heard this story yeah. more than once I'm going to find a woman yep or a man that that has nothing to do with Jesus or the ministry, and we're going to disappear into the sunset because yeah. I'm done with all this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it takes a guy who, like Sonny said, hits the rock bottom for him to be able to bounce back up for that. And so I think that's part of what makes our heart beat in this whole ministry is we really just want to see, I mean, it's why it's called journey to wholeness. We want to see people whole. We want to see them restored in their hearts, their minds, their spirits, their, but guys definitely have to get over their excuses. We've, we've heard all of them, you know, guys are afraid to lose their jobs. Mm -hmm. Guys are afraid to lose their marriages. Guys are afraid to lose their money. And, and so, but, but here's, yeah. but here's the thing. Here's what you've said to him. I've heard you till all, I can almost mimic you word for word with all the tonal quality and facial expressions at the same time. <laughs> but it's like, if you, do you want to, do you want to begin the healing process now and lose everything or be uh, revealed publicly and lose everything and have nothing left and nobody yeah. stand with you? Yeah. Now you said in a different way, which is far more powerful. But here's here's the thing: that the Lord Jesus is the healer. Yeah. And he he will place roadblocks in your life. He is a our father's a good father. And we've talked to pastors who were afraid they were going to lose everything. How am I going to afford my family? How am I going to take care of them? What if, how do I leave? How do I walk away from the ministry? How do I, how do I support? Well, it's a case by case basis here. Yeah. And if you need help, we will try our best to help you. But listen, Bucky, you got to follow our roadmap. Yeah. And follow house rules. Yeah. It's not going to be, you can't do it your way. We didn't yeah. do it. We were not allowed to do it. This ain't Burger King. No, it's not. Not your yeah. way right away. No. It's, it's what does healing look like? Yeah. What's the pathway to restoration for my soul and my mind and my heart and my spouse's mind and heart and soul and, and kids, if kids are involved. We don't work with churches or boards. I mean, I would probably see that's coming down the road here eventually, you know, down the road maybe. But right now it's about you 
it's about you saving your family yeah. and your soul. Yeah. And and God never called you in the ministry to sacrifice your heart, will, mind, and emotions and the the heart, will, mind, and emotions of your wife and kids or your spouse and kids for the sake of his call. He didn't ask you to do that. He doesn't need you to do that. He needs you to be healed so he can flow through you with his spirit. And there's nothing to cause restriction in your soul to be able to speak the words and the life of God clearly without any reservation or hesitation. If we've got junk in our lives, we'll shade the truth. Yeah. I've told guys throughout this process, I would rather be a barista at Starbucks and have my family be together and go to heaven than preach another sermon and be living a lie. And it's, there's too many people who are afraid to start a process and a road to recovery. I, I speak from experience. It's mm-hmm. not easy. It's mm-hmm. very hard. You know, we went a year where if I needed to get on the internet, I had to go to the public library. I couldn't get a job. I was, I, I just, and God didn't want me to have a job in that season. My wife had a job. She was wiping tables at a coffee shop, waking mm-hmm. up five o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. driving 30 minutes to get mm-hmm. to her job. Mm-hmm. We didn't have internet. We didn't mm-hmm. have cable. We didn't have- You didn't I, have heat. We didn't have heat for downstairs. in half the house. Yeah. We, we, we went to dinner once as a family in a year and it was Pizza Hut. And mm-hmm. we went out and four of us shared a medium pizza. Mm-hmm. That I'm going to tell you it was the greatest year of my life. Yeah, and it was hard, and it was heavy, and it was hurtful. But once I I leaned into the process, then the Holy Spirit met me at the point of my need, and it redefined who I was as a person. It redefined who you are mm-hmm. as a person. It changed Sunny. Like she's she's a totally different person than she was before she went through the process. And mm-hmm. so there are people who are listening to this right now, who are on the precipice of something and people who are in the midst of something. Mm. And I know that you're scared. I know that you feel like somebody's going to expose you, you're wounded, whatever that may be. But I promise you, we aren't here to expose you. We're here to help you go through the process of restoration and healing. We're not going to promise that you're going to be back in the ministry. We're not going to try to get you back in the pulpit as fast as possible. We're trying to get you into heaven. We're trying to make yes. sure that you finish the race in your marriage, trying to make sure that your kids still see their mama or their daddy every morning because yes. there wasn't a yes. divorce. And yeah. to do that requires that people put in the hard work and so if you listen to this and, and you say, listen, I think I'm ready for that, you can get us on social, you can get us on our website, you can get us uh, through the Life Church Green Bay website, and uh, guys like my brother, the right reverend, Barry Andrew Edgman, are here to help. So let me say one other thing, and then I want to ask you a question about the reserve. So what we're really talking about, the 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 most painful the most painful part of this process. Once you start the process, that's 50% of the hard work. Yeah. Then there's another 25% where your body and your mind begins to adjust to it. Yeah. For the first year I was here, uh, I drove Lyft. Yeah, you did. Yeah. In, in wounded, wounded Barry driving Lyft... It was it was misery and agony 
I mean, there was, uh, it was horrible. But as I look back, that was the pathway for the Lord to work in my heart because you know what he was doing? I decided that I was going to be the best lift driver. Huh. And if, I, if that's all I did the rest of my life and I lived alone and worked at Life Church till I died, I decided that's, that's what I'm going to do. And I called you one day. I said, I'm going to celebrate the big, uh, I'm going to celebrate the small, the small victories. And I had done so many rides and got so many great approvals that I was a five, uh, whatever it is. Yeah. Five star, whatever. But I didn't care anymore. I was at the point where I would do anything. And as I look back with lenses, healed, uh, journey to wholeness, healing lenses. Yeah. I look back at and I go, the Holy Spirit and all of my frustration and anger and going through journey to wholeness and what the heck is going on here. The Holy Spirit was massaging oil into the wound. He so was good. softening up. He yep. was breaking up. And as the oil, that oil, uh, medicated oil that the Holy Spirit applies to us, as it got down in the wound, it began to heal from the inside out. Yeah. And it began to change. And then the outside began to reflect the inside. Yeah. And then you begin to see, oh, my God. Had he not delivered me, I would not, I would not be here today, and probably you would not be here today. Yeah. What about the, you mentioned this morning in the sermon about, in your message, which was, it was good, probably the funniest I've ever heard you in a long time. <laughs> but you talked about one of your friends who is a con, uh, coach for CEOs. Yeah. And you're talking about there's now a, an opportunity at the at the reserve for that. Yeah. What 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 is that? Uh, it's an opportunity for people who are business leaders to just be able to go through a journey intensive. Mm. And so he's going to be talking to some of the CEOs who he coaches mm. and uh, try to get them gathered together and go through the process. Because it's not just pastors who can go through this. Like we had said, we've had so many different mm. types of people go through it. Yeah. And it's a universal type of thing for a person who is willing to open themselves up to it. Mm. And, to, you know, for somebody who's not open to go through it, it's just going to be, it's going to be painful. You know, our, our good friend, Alan Griffin, your, your best bud said to me one time on a phone call, he said, you know, we can't care more for people than they care for themselves. Facts. And if, 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 if people are at a point where they, they begin to say, I want, I want, more than this. I want to move forward, be healed. Yeah. We're the place. Yep, we are. So if you're listening to this and you need help, we're here. We're ready. We're willing because we believe there is a rise after the fall. Hi, friends. It's Sunny again. And I just want to say, Sean and I appreciate your faithful listening. And we hear all the time that many of you are sharing this. In fact, we've had a few people say, I tell everybody I know, specifically other pastors and leaders about this podcast. And so we may have shared in our early 
season two episode about the story of getting a retreat center that we're now going to call the reserve. Uh, 20 acres, multiple houses, and the ability to house pastors and leaders, their families. We're going to basically say we're hosting the hurting. We're hosting the betrayed. We're restoring the betrayer. Uh, and so now we have a campus to do that on, a, a 20-acre property to do that on, as well as we'll continue to bring people into Green Bay and we provide um, help in the finances for that and the housing for that at times as needed. Also, we'll continue to go to people. We've done that over the last couple of years, flown directly to couples in crisis. That's been an ongoing thing that Sean and I, Pastor Becky, Pastor Barry have done. But what I wanted to ask you is that um, because this retreat center is $1.8 million, which actually for 20 acres, a massive house, other housing, uh, it's really reasonable. We just happened to find it in a great location. And the person who's selling it to us has a ministry heart. He's on the board of the church that we interned at coming right out of Bible college. It's just crazy, the God story. But we need to get $600,000 as the down payment. Now he's going to spread that over the first year. So it's 54,000 a month. Then after that, the 1.2 million that we will finance with him, those payments will start and that's in the 70 some hundred dollars. So $7,000 a month plus utilities and expenses, but that's much more palpable than 54,000 a month. But for this first year, we're grateful that we didn't have to come up with 600,000 to even begin work on the property. We already own it. We're already doing construction. But what I would ask you is if you would consider, and you may say, it's me. I have, you know, $100,000 put away for our church that we are going to start construction on something. Or you may say, I have $1.8 million at the church I lead and we were breaking ground, but I feel <laughs> this is the crazy thing. I've heard some crazy stories about pastors who after having the money or praying for the money and they get it for something God's having them do, God told them to give it away. But then God exceeded their expectation and they came back and had eightfold, ninefold. I know of a church in Texas, this just happened. Uh, they gave a million dollars they had raised to break ground on a new property. And the, someone had been at this conference with them and they had a roof that had caved in and it was a million dollars to repair it. And God told him, give the million dollars. Well, he did. And within a few weeks, they had a company come to them and offer them money for the land and to give them land they owned. And they basically were given about $8 million from their million dollars they gave away. So I just know that when Sean and I even have given $1,200, which was our first big gift when we were first married at a conference and God told us, give everything. And we had $1,201 in our bank account, which was a ton for us. It was like our savings. We gave it, we got home and we had a check in our mailbox for $1,250. Now we made $49 on that, but it increased our faith. We made a lot of return on our faith. 
and that investment and knowing God will never ask us to give that he doesn't have a huge plan. So I take this time to say, you might be the one that says, we're going to give you 1.8. You'll never have to worry about money as you do this ministry. You might say, we're going to give you 600,000 for the down payment so that you don't have to stress for the first year at 54,000 a pop as you build it out. Or you might say, we're going to give monthly or we have something else in mind. Thank you for considering it. Thank you for stepping out in faith and thank you for being a faithful listener to this. We appreciate you.